This is the Digital Dish. This podcast is hosted by Julia Frazier and Michael Vick, two veteran digital learning facilitators. Listen to us unpack digital trends, dissect favorite tools, and ponder over new ideas and their impact in today's classroom. We love Google, efficiency, and sharing information. Stay tuned for the bantering, the debating, and the discovering of new technology in your classroom and beyond. Hey world, this is Michael and Julia here with episode 19 of The, the Digital, Digital Dish. Dish. I kind of jumped in on you there, Michael, yeah. a little bit. You guys can't see this, but the eye contact she made with me was... <laughs> Intense. Yeah. Like, I think she thought that I forgot, but I knew. I was just looking at the show notes. <laughs> I wanted to make sure he knew we had to do this in unison. <laughs> Oh. Well, we're coming at you from uh, even an, our new recording time, which is nighttime. Mm-hmm. Michael's children are in bed. Kind of. Supposedly. They may come down <laughs> and make noise for you people. <laughs> it's raining outside. The weather in Dallas has been nuts this week. Yeah. So, it's going to be really cold. Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to it. We had tornadoes on Sunday. We yeah. have storms right now. So... We're all just kind of, my husband's school was closed. The whole school district was closed on Monday because really? of the storms. Really? Oh, I guess that's where it hit hard. Yeah, and Richardson ISD, and so they still have some schools that are out um, for the foreseeable future until they can figure out power and damage, and his school wasn't hit hard, but they were out because they had no electricity. Wow. So they missed a day on Monday. Wow. It's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. It's pretty yeah. Pretty insane. Thankfully, though, nobody was injured during the storms, which yeah. is wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, this episode we've got we were it's been like four or five episodes since we've gotten back to like the traditional exciting digital tool and stuff, mm-hmm. and so we were brainstorming about what we could do, and we're going to kind of go back to that format a little bit, at least for this episode. Yeah. And we'll see, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So we're going to start off with. It's that time again for the Digital Dishes Exciting Digital Tool. There's a cat on the table and he's rubbing up against my computer. I'm sorry, y'all, but I looked at Michael and started laughing. His <laughs> frapples on the table. <laughs> he wants to be part of the podcast, too. He some attention. He's like, this is the normal time I get pet. You guys are here not petting me. Sorry. Okay, so we're going to jump right into an exciting digital tool today, and I'm going to let Michael kick it off. Oh, okay, cool. So I just found this tool today. Like, I was uh, just perusing the Twitter deck. The Twitter sphere? Yeah, the tweet deck. Twitter sphere, yeah. And I found this new Google extension. I don't know if you've heard of it. Have you heard of Talk and Comment? I have not. So it you download the extension just like at the web store like you would do in any of them. And it brings up, a little, whenever you're in Chrome, it brings up a little icon on the right side of the screen. You click it, and you can make a, a audio recording right there. Oh, that's cool. And what's even cooler, and this is, this is going to be a game changer, I even tweeted about it, is that you can put it on Google Forms. So if you have a quiz in Google Forms, you can record your audio real quick and then throw that link in there and the question. And it looks really, really cool. What? That's really cool. awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. What? That's a great accommodation for yeah. students who might need oral admin or additional language support. Yeah. It's, I mean, and even if like your kids don't need it, like, well, it couldn't hurt. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. And yeah. It's really, and it's, 
gotten to this point, I think, with this extension that it's so easy to do that it's like it's you know it's, it starts to be worth it for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something extra you have to do. All right, so that's my cool digital tool. I just found about out about it today, and I'm going to show it to you here in a minute. So you talk about your less exciting tool, but still exciting tool, <laughs> and then it's I'm going to pull this up for you. Very exciting. In fact, I too found what I'm talking about from the Twitter sphere. I also found what we were looking, uh, or sorry, what I was going to talk about from the Twitter sphere, and it's not really about an exciting digital tool so much as a a cool format to do things and letting children explore and students explore the different tools they have at their exposure or at their fingertips. And this was tweeted by Megan Ryder, who's at Mrs. Ryder 58. She's an ADE, which is an Apple Distinguished Educator. And she tweeted about doing little sandbox type challenges for students to get to know different digital tools. The one she tweeted was about Keynote, which... I'm obsessed with Keynote. It's like my favorite of the favorites. So it was about Keynote, and it was basically a menu of 30 days. I'm pointing at the video right now that's playing in silence. (laughs) Look, it makes a little bot. Okay, I'm sorry. On your Keynote thing, like, are they? I had a a thought, I had a question. Are they, um, so the tasks that they do every day, are they. Are they time-consuming? No, they're mini-challenges. So it's like a PDF board with a QR code for every day for 30 days. And each day, when you scan the QR code, gives you a mini-challenge. So, for example, on day one, it shows you just how to I'm looking at it right now. Here, let me describe it for them. It is a grid with QR codes on it, just like you said. That's like what I said. (laughs) And so, like, day one, they scan the QR code, and it leads to a little video of how to change the background in a keynote slide. And they get progressively more challenging as the month goes on. So, for example, on day 30, it shows how to do magic move so that's you like start, the, and that's the hardest one probably yeah, of the list. yeah so it starts very simple and moves to a little bit more complicated you should start with that one because it's the coolest yeah oh well yeah duh. but it really helps build capacity in students without you having to take the time to teach them each those yeah. additional moves and it can be really easily something that you integrate into after their coursework or after a lesson hey if you have extra time go try the the sandbox challenge for the day. And so I thought that was a really innovative way to help introduce students to new tools. And obviously this is something you might want to use with the the tools that are a little bit more in depth. They're complicated that Mm -hmm. have a lot of facets to them. So using the same idea with Keynote with other tools? Yeah. Yeah. um, Like pages or I I don't know. um, You could even do it with something like Google Docs, even though it's starting to become like an oldie but a goodie. Yeah. Like could, <laughs> like but still, could, there's lots of features that kids don't aren't know about, yeah. familiar with. You don't know about. And and there's other things like, uh, you know, just the share settings and stuff that they think they know, but there's other ways. You yeah, know? absolutely. Like, or shortcuts or, you know, keyboard shortcuts or anything like that. Yeah. So I thought that was a really clever way. So um, shout out to Megan Ryder. Um, she has it on her Twitter, the, the 30 Days of Keynote that you can download and use in your classroom. But I would challenge anybody to try creating one for maybe another tool that they use frequently. I got to shout out my guy too. Because uh, my Twitter yes, guy, yeah. yeah, Alfonso Mendoza Jr., M-E-D. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, he posts Tech Teacher thirteen eighty one is his handle. At, okay. At Tech Teacher thirteen eighty one, yeah. I'm definitely gonna be checking yeah. that one out. It really is cool and I think Michael I, did it while I was talking. It recorded me and then inserted it straight into the form and it was just a little play audio I did, play. Clip. I did not really record you. That was a video of somebody oh. of uh, that was just a screencast. Of I thought he else. recorded me, but he didn't. No. It would have been that easy though. I could have totally done yeah. it. It was very neat, very yeah. cool. So I definitely think that that's a level up yeah. moment. The cool, I mean, the coolest part is that you can embed it, and it looks really clean inside mm -hmm. the Google Form. It does. I mean, it's just just click here and you make it happen. Yeah. So definitely yeah. Uh, try following those two people we mentioned, Megan and Mendoza, and Mendoza, Megan and Mendoza, yeah. <laughs> uh, to check out those cool features. Definitely something, both of those that you could try in your classrooms. Yeah, yeah. So those are our cool, exciting digital tools. So the next thing we're going to talk about is a moment with. Da, 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 da. We're going to have a moment we're with. Gonna, we have an actual drop for that. <laughs> you don't need to. I like my own musical <laughs> drop. <laughs> a peek inside. Julia's pulling out her harp right now. <laughs> yeah. Let me pull out my pocket. Um, pocket my pocket harp. Um, Sit back and relax. It's time for a moment with. So Michael has a moment today. Yeah, no. cool. So we're we're doing a book study called um, something by Catlin Tucker. Hold on, I have it right here. Power Up Blended Learning. Power Up Blended Learning by Catlin Tucker. And she was just like you know a really awesome teacher, and she did a lot of blended learning, and she noticed a lot of. Really, really cool things that were happening. But pretty much what this is about is I'm reading a book, mm -hmm. and I don't ever really read a lot. So <laughs> I'm reading. So we're going to talk about it. It deserves its moment. <laughs> Michael is reading. I'm that reading. is the real moment here. Breaking news. I can read and write. <laughs> so, I mean, we're just into it. We've read a couple chapters. And, I mean, it's really all about... How blended learning can change things. You know, a lot of teachers are really concerned with cl as class sizes grow, and it's going to keep growing. Our population keeps growing, um, no matter what we do. And then you got the whole state side, country. You know, all, uh, the sizes are going to keep getting bigger, and so we need to adjust. And I think we have it right in front of us, and it's all these learning management systems, Google Classroom, all these ways where you can basically multiply yourself. You know, I remember when, like my first real aha moment with blended learning. There were like 18 kids coming into my room for tutoring, and they weren't all tutoring on the same thing. Some people needed to retest, and some people just needed help with the homework. And some people, I even had kids in there for like number sense, like who wanted extended learning, right? And so, like, I had to figure out ways to multiply myself. Right. And that was when I, like, really pieced the puzzle together as far as, like, this is how I'm going to record. This is how I'm going to make it available. I need to get a site ready for them. And so now it's a lot easier. They have tools out there like Canvas, like Google Classroom, that make it a lot easier to get that material out there. And there's a whole lot more apps. You can do a lot more screen recordings mm -hmm. than you could back then. And so it's a lot more manageable. And I think we need to, like, harness that. Yeah, I definitely think too, like in, in the elementary classroom or in a situation where you you might have a large population of students that don't have access to the internet at home mm -hmm. or don't have access. They might have the internet, but they have a, 
just their devices, their phone. But you and can do like iBooks and some other right, things. Right, but work. things that aren't as conducive. I really love the idea of doing blended stations yeah. instead of just it, – it's, it's not – it offers, that, it offers that differentiation yeah, in the classroom. Yeah, it's yes. not necessarily – and I'm looking at blended as like a flipped blended atmosphere, but blended doesn't mean that you're flipping your classroom necessarily. There are flipped aspects in it, but That's it true. doesn't totally mean you're flipping. You can be blended without flipping and flipping without – Blended, yeah, I think, cool. yeah. I'm not really sure what that means, but, <laughs> but I love. It's like you flipped the blended flip. I, I did. Comment. I don't know, you know, just flipping it all over the place. But you know, we did a blended course through UT last year, and it talked a lot about doing blended stations, which I really love that idea and think it's so practical for elementary school teachers to do the blended station yes. because a teacher during station time is with their small group. They're with their guided reading group or their guided math group. And they don't have the ability to stop what they're doing to get up and help another station because they're on a very strict time schedule and have to pack a lot of learning and teaching into that brief station time. So um, having those blended stations is really impactful in helping multiply yourself, like you right. were saying. Yeah. And I think it also adds variety to the lesson. Like if I'm a student... And even if I maybe don't like math or whatever, right, at least like I'm moving around and mixing it up a little bit, maybe working with different people and I have different projects, I'm creating different things with it. Or like maybe like you might have to have some stations that are strictly like rote, you got to learn this process, you have right. to learn this process, but then you can go and do something with that. So it gives you something to look forward to, you know, when you're in those stations and, and as a teacher, it kind of gives you a, a break. Right. You're, I mean, you, it, it may be a little bit more like set up ahead of time than it would be if you were only doing one thing to the whole class. But you'll find really quickly that your life is a lot easier during the instruction and in afterwards too because I think the kids learn more in those in those options. They're teaching themselves and teaching others and creating a lot of meaning from the learning that So way. this is going to happen again because I'm going to keep reading the book. Okay. And in fact, you're going to keep reading. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you know, I do read a lot. It's just not like it's more like fantasy, fantasy football, football articles stats. and stuff about the Mavericks, and like I don't really I do a lot of reading. I mean, it's been a lot of time reading, but yeah. Uh, and I know, in fact, the next I know, Catlin Tucker's big on station rotations, which is exactly what you're talking about. So, okay. So the next thing we're talking about is an oldie but a goodie, and I. It's time for an oldie but a goodie. I think I've mentioned it in our podcast before, but this is like one of the few things. And, and you know what I really focus on this? It's choice boards or hyperdocs. And I and actually, do you know what the difference is? I know what it is. No, I don't. I've not really dabbled in hyperdocs. I mean, I know what a choice board is. Right. I use those. I see teachers use those. Not as familiar with hyperdocs. Not something What's I've the, dabbled well, in. I, so a choice board is basically, I mean, I'm, I'm want you to, because I've never, I've never done either one of these things. I've only read about them and I've seen them. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've been to several trainings on HyperDocs, and it's just basically a page. Well, okay, let me say what it's not. It's not a page with only links on it. It's a page with links and resources, but each one of the boxes in a HyperDoc, if you set it up as boxes, is. Um, it also re requires some sort of creation. So you create something or complete something or does 
analyzes something or pairs with somebody and does something. So um, in a hyperdoc, I think, is really more – I mean, a hyper is in it, so there's, like, hyperlinks. Whereas a choice board, I think, can be also physical. Yeah. Is that pretty much the yeah, difference? Yeah, a choice board is still – different activities maybe you have several columns of activities or several rows of activities and you say you may choose something from column a and b or you have to do okay. some column c but you can choose whether you're doing whatever or just choose one of these seven choices and it's activities learning activities that could be digital or could be non-digital yeah. that the children are completing yeah so i think I think a lot of teachers, when they think about HyperDoc, they're like, if it's a three by three board, for example, that's basically, that's nine things you have to create or nine things you have to envision. Like a lot of times it's not really creating something. It's just putting out an idea when you're having the kids create something. Hopefully right. it's more of that than, than not. But if you think it doesn't have to be a one day thing, like it's if you like if you're going through every day, every class thinking, oh, this one class, I got to teach this one concept, this one class, like this kind of really opens up the possibility because some concepts take a whole lot more than one right. day. Yeah. Most of them really. Right. <laughs> and so you can, um, you know, add on to it there. I would think too, in, in some cases, choice boards and hyperdocs could be created so that they are used in multiple settings or for multiple time periods where it's the same general activity, but you're switching out the content that is done with oh, that activity. So you're not, you're not having to recreate the wheel every time you have a basic outline like, Oh, okay. Choice A is always going to be doing this thing with the content, Yeah, but switching out the content. That's Yeah. That's a good idea that way. And then eventually, I mean, you could put, requirements or you could strongly suggest you know that they hit right. different things so they can because that way they're hitting some of those technology standards that are really difficult to fit in your curriculum right and choice boards and hyperdocs are great to use with rubrics yes as opposed I'm to glad just, you i meant to mention that earlier as yeah. opposed to just like this was right or this was wrong because then you create one rubric for the whole choice board yes. and it has to do or for the whole hyperdoc and it has to do with the way the student explained a concept or how accurate they are or whatever you want to put on your rubric mm -hmm. and then you can use that one rubric to grade anything that gets turned into you. Yeah. I think there are other benefits too when you look at after you create something it's in digital space most usually and so then you can put it on a portfolio. You right. can it's a lot easier to find and reflect on. And so there are other benefits too to having that. And, and not to mention like the district has paid for these kids to have these tools. And so you're utilizing them and now they're learning them. And it's, I don't know, it just feels a whole lot better. Yeah. Like it, a lot of times like I'll, I'll kind of ask myself, is this something that I would have done in school? And really with a hyperdoc, the answer is no. Because we didn't have the technology. We didn't have the, I guess, openness to, right. to learn those things. Education was a lot different when we were going well, through Well, I wish it was more different. But, yeah. I would, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. There are still things that we can improve upon just like everywhere else. That, yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of really creative. There's a, I, We'll put a, a blog link. Matt Miller had a blog about it. There's like – I think it's called the HyperDoc Chicks. I don't know. There's – I'm sure if you Googled HyperDocs, there's a tons of templates out there and you can totally get cre as creative as you want. That's awesome. It's, it's kind of become, it's become a, a thing. Actually, I, I wonder if it's kind of replaced the whole latest trend in technology. I think it really may have been. Yeah. Know. I, 
for some reason thought hyperdocs were a lot more complicated than they actually are. So I'm well, glad I mean, we they can get they can they get, get super. Can in fact, get I mentioned I mentioned sure. hyperdocs with my administration yesterday. Or, yeah, yesterday Thursday, and they said. The look they got on their faces. I don't know if y'all hear my cat meowing in the That's background. another cat. That's Lambo. Mm -hmm. Lambo has now made a guest appearance. Stop interrupting us. Now. <laughs> 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 um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I mentioned it and like the look on their faces. And then I basically like demanded an explanation. I'm like, so what's wrong with my idea of Hyperdox? Yeah. And they're like, well, we did it, and it just kind of took us down a rabbit hole, and we ended up printing a bunch of pieces of paper so we could figure it out. And I'm like, you don't want to do that. You don't, yeah. Especially early on, you don't want it to be super confusing and where it feels like your students are going down a rabbit hole. That's just right. not, not going to fly. Start simple, and you get can it, always... Rabbit, not going to fly. <laughs> but do rabbits fly? That's what I'm saying. It's not going to fly. Oh, okay. No, I get it. <laughs> Took me a minute. I'm okay. It's I'm uh, you know I could use the sleepy excuse, but it's really not that late. And I'm sure not. you're up later than this all the time. Actually, no. I'm in bed by um, nine fifteen every don't have night. Kids yet? I know that doesn't make me any less sleepy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, we wanted to take a minute to just highlight digital citizenship. It's time for a note about digital citizenship. Yep. And it's so on our, on our show notes, all we have on this topic is the word importance. Because <laughs> we just want to stress how important it is. It is. Okay, I'll yeah. show you. you can talk. I'll I talk. just, I think a lot of focus has been put on the importance of digital citizenship. We're seeing a lot of things in the news and the media all the time about digital citizenship and how people are not obeying, whether it be adults or young adults or students, they're not obeying digital citizenship um, etiquette, I suppose. And it is so important that as an educator who uses technology in the classroom, you are also the student's prime advocate and prime example for digital citizenship. Right. There may be many students who are only getting digital citizenship instruction from you. Um, it's really important that you take ownership of it and not say, oh, the library media specialist will teach digital citizenship. Yeah. Or the ITF or the digital learning coach, they'll they'll teach digital citizenship. Because it is a it is a everybody's job. Everybody's job. Anybody who uses technology in their instruction needs to be modeling digital citizenship. And it doesn't have to be a big formal lesson every time. It can be as simple as a think aloud when you're Googling something or when you're, you know, air playing or when you're troubleshooting and saying, hmm, I need to do this. What would my next step be? Or I'm on this website and I noticed this. What should I do? It, it doesn't have to be a big formal lesson, but it needs to be talked about. Yes. Yeah, and actually, I don't know if our audience knows, it's actually, it's Digital Citizenship Month. It is! A whole month. And it, but it's also like Truck Month, where every month is Truck Month. <laughs> 
every month is Digital, Digital Citizenship, Citizenship month. month. It was Digital Citizenship Week last week. That's true. And mm -hmm. so our department just kind of highlighted different resources from Common Sense Media and different things that families and parents can do. And, mm -hmm. and part of the Digital Citizenship is knowing how to balance your devices and, yes. and knowing when to put them down mm. and having those conversations around the I dinner did, table. I did something really big two what days did you ago. Do? I went into my screen times in the settings. We can go to screen yes. time on the new iPhone. And I set a limit on this golf game that I keep playing. <gasps> Your I'm, golf game? My golf golf clash. I can, oh. I'm only allowed to play it an hour a day. What? Ha oh, my goodness. What I happens know. if you play it more than an hour I, a day? I, you know, I, it's funny. since I did that like on Tuesday or whatever. And since then, I just like, meh. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I, I wait. I'm like, I only have an hour, right? And I might want to play when I'm laying down in bed or something, right? And I just haven't. Hmm. So, I don't know. Just like, just knowing that that's there is all I need to know that I can't get lost To limit in it. yourself. I know. You know, Sean and I, whenever we go out to dinner, it's, we always have the rule of a device-free dinner. Now, we don't do that at home all the time. But right. when we're out, our phones are definitely away and we're, we're not engaging with the digital world we engage with each other that's good so setting those different rules and limitations is part of digital citizenship but everybody yeah, that's such a small part that's just yeah. a small part everybody needs to be talking about digital citizenship and what you can do and what you can't do online and just making your students and yourself more aware commonsensemedia.org is a great place to go for resources mm -hmm. they're fantastic i'm tweeting every day something from common sense media this month that's awesome from my school's handle that's amazing yeah that's great mm -hmm. that is great so yeah get your digital citizenship on it's important very very much so is that it did you want to talk about something else there's something else on our thing I know this was table. just a, a celebration. I wanted to celebrate okay. the fact that one of my elementary schools mm -hmm. and one of my wife's elementary schools. Yes, she's a content facilitator. Mill Street opened last week. All right. Was it last week? Oh my goodness, it, it was last week. Opened the mill. It, they opened Mill Street, and I am so excited for the teachers. Have a home now. They all have a home have now. A fam their families back together. Yes. Who I'm even more excited for is the students and seeing mm. their faces and their excitement upon entering their new school. I spent a lot of time last week getting the teachers acclimated to their new technology and their new boards, their interactive boards, and it was a lot of fun and very. It's the school is beautiful, and I just what sort of like. Ability. I mean, what tech, do they have? Labs? Are there like central spaces? They. Oh, it's beautiful. What's the furniture like? They have. They have labs. They have three computer labs. I think every grade level area has a collaboration pod. So every grade level, like kind of, they're in like little pods, right? And so every pod has a collaboration area in the middle. The furniture is all movable and rearrangeable. The tables are in different heights. It's no desks. It's all tables and chairs. That's so awesome. It's very cool. You can raise the table. Some of the grade levels have high tables with high chairs yeah. and low ones. Mm -hmm. This collaboration. Tall people, short people. Yeah. <laughs> the collaboration areas are amazing because it's just so fluid. Teachers can send their kids out to work on projects or, you know. Is that happening? Like, how, yes. how long have you been there yet? I, oh, I've been there quite well, a few been times. There, but like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And teachers are already sending kids out to the collaboration area and, you know, 
other teachers, traveling teachers are pulling small groups. And I'm just really proud to be in a district whose voters supported the bond so that these kids could get this amazing school. Yeah, that's so, so cool. Yeah, it's Well, fantastic. congratulations, Mill Street and Mill Street students. Yes. On your beautiful new home. It's nice. It's gorgeous. Cool. Oh, okay. So there is one other thing. Is it my this or that surprise? It is. Get ready for this or that. So <laughs> on, our, on our show notes, there's one thing on here, and it's called this or that surprise. <laughs> where Julia's asking me a this or that question, I have no idea what it is. It I'm going to put him on the surprise. spot. He did it for me one time. Okay, so... Michael, mm-hmm. you've, you've worked in a different district for quite some time now. Yes. Well, I mean, a semester. Our grading period is I think I know where this is going. You think so? Yes. This or I that. I do not like where this is going. This or that. Don't I, make me. iPads or Chromebooks. Oh, okay. That's I was fun. never was asking you to do this or that the district. I thought, I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I would never ask that question. Uh, iPads or Chromebooks. Mm, we talked about this a little bit last time. Not, not like for for students or for teachers. For students, Chromebooks. No, you are out of your mind. No, I okay. Now you could do a lot more on an iPad, especially when you have a keyboard. And but the but I I think there's just some trust issues with gaming, and I just. I have not seen that at all on Chromebook. Oh, a little. I've seen a few kids play games on Chromebook, but it's not not the way they play games on an iPad. And the way they just, it's like, this is my device, and I'm, I get to do whatever I want on it. I get to see kids doing that. And, I, you know, part of the problem is how it's, how it's being brought out and how, you know, I think a lot of teachers could be using it more educationally in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so then, it, then that mind shift would change. Oh, this is an educational tool. Um, but I just... I think at this point, I would go with Chrome. And you know what? What, what I haven't talked about yet is cost. I mean, it's also more cost effective. I think to go with Chromebooks. It is more cost effective to go with Chromebooks, but I- uh, the the biggest disadvantage that I can at the secondary level in coming from you know being a math teacher is you can't annotate on a Chromebook, and that is I mean on the ones that they have you can on some Chromebooks now. But um, you can't on the ones that the, that our students are using, and so I probably I'm thinking I'm going to go with Chromebook I, for the, all those reasons. I'm going to have to say I wholeheartedly disagree with you. If if, te- if students were using them to their full capabilities, then the answer would be iPads. <laughs> okay. Is that is that fair? That's fair. That's the, this or that. For teacher use. Oh, for teachers? Chromebook or Mac. Oh, this is a different question. (laughs) You can see the way his face changed when I asked him that, because I know what he feels. In his hearts of hearts, he wants a Mac. Oh, I do. (laughs) Well, it's it's actually not the right question, because teachers have a a PC. Okay. Yeah. Well, they they use their PCs way more. In fact, teachers don't have Chromebooks. Unless okay, they go so through this, like... PC or Mac. Yeah, I, and the answer is Mac. I, I prefer a Mac. Definitely. Yes. I mean, there's, I could I could go into the reasons why, but I, I just... 
It's more, I mean, okay, I won't go into the reasons. I think, <laughs> I think once you once you start realizing, the hardest thing is the hurdle of people are, grew up on PCs. Yeah. And then, but once, like I, I'm at a point where I'm pretty comfortable in both. I really am. Like I was, I was very proficient in a PC when I moved to Mac in my you know late 20s. And then now I'm 35. And so I've been, and so now I'm more, I got to be more comfortable on a Mac, but it did not take me long now that I'm on a PC on my campuses to, to kind of get used to a PC again. And I mean, there, there are some give and takes, like I know a lot more shortcuts on a Mac right now. And I know I'm still relearning some of those shortcuts, like your, your screenshots and your, um, how to project quickly, how to dual screen, stuff like that. I'm learning shortcuts on PCs. Um, but I'm nowhere near where I am on a Mac. Yeah. yeah. I'd be useless on a PC. You'd learn. You're a fast learner. Yeah. You'd be fine. My computer, my personal computer is a Mac. My work computer is a Mac. Well, we, as DLCs, we're given Chromebooks. And I mostly use my personal Mac. Just, yeah. I mean, so if the answer were Mac or Chromebooks, I mean, obviously. Mac. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I hope you liked your this or that surprise. That, that was, was not fun. which district oh you were. Oh my god! Because so, I really, I really don't know. I, <laughs> don't even go down that. Path, I don't even want to answer that question. Don't even go down that. Whoever's path. paying me right now. That's the <laughs> don't go down that path. <laughs> All right. On that note, we are. I think that concludes episode yeah. nineteen. It was a fun one. This was fun. This was good. You know, I, I, we prepared a lot more for this one than we did last one i think it came out better so hey the, the output was more effective there you go teachers Pre preparation is yes. key <laughs> apparently yeah we have learned next time we should do a choice board put stuff on a on board on a board and we just pick what we talk Ooh, about oh yeah i like that idea you know, we could put it into practice yeah let's do it well um if you would like to follow me or Michael, um, you can find me at at J Solnick Fraser. Did you have to say at twice? At at at. at. You can follow me at, at. Digital Vic. <laughs> I think that sounds better. You're right, it does. But I see what you're doing. I mean, I don't know which ones. I think it's just at. I don't know. Well, now we're lost in the weeds. You can follow me at J Solnick Fraser on Twitter. <laughs> All right. One of those. <laughs> and you can follow Michael at. Digital Vic. Digital Vic. And that, that that's all, folks. <laughs> Bye, Bye. <guys. laughs>